Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. If you're a coach or a consultant, or if you have, say, um, software as a service or something like that, almost always the person is going to want to validate you before they validate your services. So, is is you know, is, is when I say you as as a you know as a supplier as a consultant or coach, you know, are you trustworthy? Are you reliable? Are you quality? You know, so all of these questions are running through because of the past experiences that prospects have had. They're the sort of questions that need to be asked before they even start kicking the tires of your service, so to speak. So in other words, they need to validate you as a person they would be comfortable in a relationship with, that they would respect before they go, okay, well, tell me, how does it all work? Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with storyteller and creator Paul Socket and with Jeroen Courteau from Salesflare, then do check them out, but only after you've listened to today's conversation. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Tom Poland. He's the best-selling author of Marketing with Webinars, and he has over 37 years' experience in sales and marketing. He's also started, managed, and sold multiple businesses, including teams of over 100 and revenue of more than $20 million. Tom is currently working with clients in 27 cities and 15 time zones around the world and describes himself as voluntarily married, living in a house on the sand, next to the blue waves at Little Castaways Beach in Queensland, Australia. In our discussion today, Tom talked to me about webinars as the core of a system to speak to people at scale. We talked about how to get engagement in webinars and in presentations. And Tom described calls to action that are authentic and congruent with your values and that of your audience. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Tom Poland. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from Castaways Beach on the beautiful Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia. Tom Poland, who's a best-selling author of the Leadsology series of books and also Marketing with Webinars. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast. Tom, it's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Well, it's actually a privilege to be here. I was just, you took the words out of my mouth, but so, yeah, ditto. 
Steve Hoffman, who was our guest on episode 435 and who's actually located halfway around the world from both of us, introduced us that uh, are much closer to one another than we are to Steve geographically. So big hello to Steve. He was on episode 435 of the Innova Buzz. Thank you, Steve. All right. Now, before we start talking about all things leads and the science of generating business and leads um, and also webinars, what's the impact you're making in the world, Tom? I think we're, we're creating more stable businesses by putting lead generation systems in place. So the lead generation is a, is a predictable part of the business. So, and in creating better businesses, I think we, we help people create better lives. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And, yeah. and certainly your... Well, so many, so many, so many people are really great at what they do, but they feel like they're the world's best kept secret. So, by you know, by helping them get more clients, there's a ripple effect because it not only makes our clients' life and business better, it also empowers them to help more people with whatever it is that they they're offering. Mm, yeah, I love that, and uh, that's one of the things I love about what I do as well is that magnifying effect that you get when you help clients and their business. And you know that not only have you helped them, but you've indirectly helped a lot of other people, the ones that their service or product is helping. Right, right. It's, and it's, I mean, it might sound a bit altruistic for, you know, if, you, if you're struggling, someone's struggling to pay the mortgage or the rent, but, but if you were able to take all the money off the planet, most of us will still be doing what we're doing. We might be doing it with less hours, perhaps, but because <laughs> there's a sense of fulfillment that comes from helping other people. And, and other than sociopaths or narcissists, we are, we are wired to want to help other people and make the, our little part of the world a better place. So that's what that's what spins my whizzer. Hmm. Love it. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about um, you know some of the the thoughts behind having marketing as a machine working all the time building the systems that underpin that right so well it 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 comes back when I mean, it goes back 40 years when i was a very young management consultant and uh yeah yeah wow 40 years yeah <laughs> anywho uh quite a while ago when i had hair you must have started when you were 15. <laughs> yeah just I, I started too young in hindsight because who's going to believe someone who sort of looks like the wet behind the ears but nevertheless um it became pretty clear because back in the day, so to speak, you didn't have a business unless you had an office. That meant an office lease. And that meant you really needed a receptionist sitting behind a typewriter as they were then. Hmm. And in other words, you had a lot of overhead. And I quickly discovered that effectively I was waking up every Monday morning unemployed. And it wasn't the client work that was the issue. It was the generation of the clients that was the issue. That was the bottleneck in the business. So I really set about to buy every book and go to every seminar and every workshop and that I could on, on marketing and you know to, to fill in sort of some of that background what I discovered is most of it didn't work you know I'd sit at the feet of a marketing master but um, the reason it didn't work I didn't really figure it out until many many years later but it was because the marketing advice that I was purchasing and that I was trying to implement was really for physical products and it was a real, real big key differentiator, which meant it would, might work very well if you were selling golf clubs or a house or or something like that. But it didn't work well when you were selling services because it skipped a step. And the really, really important step was that when you're marketing services, it's actually more like you're proposing marriage than it is, say, selling a washing machine. 
In other words, people, you, we needed, I, I discovered I needed to give people an opportunity to get to know me, to get to trust me, to get to hopefully like me, uh, respect my professional ability before I even proposed that we talk about working together. So it was that whole element that was missing. You know, you, you could, yes, you could send 10,000 direct mail letters out. Yes, you could put an advertisement that was very clever on the radio. Yes, you could do PR. You could do all of that sort of things. But no one was knocking down the, the door to buy my management services unless they'd first met with me before I made that proposal. Mm. So that, that was the background of doing the lead generation work that I'm now doing today is that we, we needed to create within the marketing system an opportunity for the people who didn't know me to get to know me. And that's what I help my clients with as well. Mm. Yeah, I love it. So, you know, you make a really important point there. I think the examples you gave, um, washing machine, for example, or um, golf clubs, people people will decide they need that and then they'll do some research. And, of course, today it's pretty easy to do research. You know, what's the best washing machine? What are the best golf clubs for my particular situation? Where is the best price I can get or the best deal I can get for this particular one that I'm now interested in? Yeah. And then after that, you narrow it down to one or two places. Okay, one... One might have a, a six months wait time. I'm not, I don't want to wait six months for my golf clubs. The other one might be, you know, a few dollars more expensive, but I will have my golf clubs next week. Well, that sounds pretty appealing. So I buy it. I don't, I don't need to have a relationship with anyone to carry that whole thing out. Right. No, exactly. And, and if you did physically walk into a sports store as opposed to buying them online, you wouldn't actually have to respect or like the salesperson because mm. you're. Of what you're doing, really, if it's not too weird to say it, you're entering into a relationship with a set of golf clubs or the new car or the house. Um, exactly. It, and sometimes the salesperson's almost getting in the way. Um, mm. But if you're a coach or a consultant or if you have, say, um, software as a service or something like that, almost always the person is going to want to validate you before they validate your services. So is is you know is, is when I say you as as a you know as a supplier as a consultant coach you know are you trustworthy are you reliable are you quality um, are you a BS artist are you you know so all of these questions are running mm. because of the past experiences that prospects have had they are the sort of questions that need to be asked before they even start kicking the tires of your service mm. so to speak so in other words they need to validate you as a person they would be comfortable in a relationship with, that they would respect before they go, okay, well, tell me, how does it all work? Yeah. Okay. And and you talked earlier about systems and um, putting something in place that enables that process to kick off and, and to run. Right. Um, one of the – I know one of the things you do a lot now is is marketing with webinars. So how do, how do webinars – work within that system how did man how did you get started with webinars man how did you discover that was yeah, the way good, to do this good question i suppose if you, if you could zoom zoom right out to the big picture uh, you know if you if, if people think about the world's oldest and most effective marketing method it was actually speaking to groups of people and mm -hmm. if you have any doubt about that you should ask yourself how many clients buddha christ and muhammad have put together because it's <laughs> more than half the planet uh, and all those three people did was speak to groups of people they didn't write anything even um, they just spoke to small groups of people mostly. So the, the oldest, most proven marketing method in the world is speaking to groups of people. The newest marketing medium in the world, of course, is the internet. 
if you put those two things together, you get uh, the scalability and power, the speed to market of the internet combined with a very proven marketing method. And I think it's kind of like QED, game over, the jury is out. Marketing webinars is an exceptionally powerful method and medium through which to do the marketing. So that's the big picture, all sorts of benefits. You can scale. So we have a webinar, our monthly webinars on tomorrow. We'll have people from literally all around the world attending. Uh, we'll run two for, for different time zones. So that massive scalability and for, you know, for a hundred bucks a month, we can be reaching out to 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people within the same hour. There's nothing that compared to that. So that's kind of the, the why marketing webinars, the how, I'd finished with a business where we were doing a lot of marketing through physical workshops. Uh, so we'd, and in fact, I did over 500, so it's quite a lot. <laughs> and so I'd, I'd sold that business and I was sitting around twiddling my thumbs. This is back, I think, 2008. And I remember not a lot to do, not a lot to do. You know, I sort of kind of twiddling my thumbs and my wife was getting sick of me hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, I got very various nudges to, for God's sake, go and you know, find something to do. Find something to do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I remember, I remember, I still remember doing, uh, opening my email and seeing this, this word that just hit me between the eyes, webinar. And it's ubiquitous now, but back then this was a new concept. Oh, I think mm. that's so clever. Seminar and worldwide web combined the two. You got webinar. So I, I registered for this thing and I got up at three o'clock in the morning to attend it because it was held in the estates as most of them, most of them are. And, uh, I remember being completely underwhelmed because instead of I, I had visualized two people on a stage talking to each other and you know interesting and questions from the audience and so on, as much as you would in a normal seminar, a physical seminar. Instead, what I got was death by bullet point. <laughs> it was yeah. the most boring thing, and I went back to bed. Which, which back happens back in live presentations, right? Well, but, well, it's not, but, it's that's not right. Totally yeah, inherent right. danger of it webinars. Was live, but it was yeah. bloody boring. Anyway, but I got up the next morning and I thought, you know, I think this thing's got potential, not not doing it the way they had done it. Yeah, yeah. But if we could simulate what it would be like in a in a physical seminar, if people could see me and they could eyeball me like they would if I was standing at the front of a seminar room, uh, that would be pretty cool. So that that started me down the webinar rabbit hole, so to speak, and it's, wow, um, yeah, that's, what, 13 years ago. Hmm. Yeah, it's impressive. I remember discovering webinars about the same time and I, I started playing around with technology and so on, but I didn't actually build a system uh, like you've got now. And um, some ways I think, well, that would have been the smarter thing to do. But, you know, best time to plant a tree was uh, then, but next best time is now, right? Right. Well, it yeah, but to be fair to you and any others who might have tried it, it took me 11 years to arrive at the word smart. You know, people say, oh, gosh, what you're doing with webinars is amazing. You must be a genius. And I said, oh, you know, I, I remember someone literally said that to me. And I said, you take that back. It took me 11 years of slow plodding mistakes, mm -hmm. observations to to arrive at the way we're doing it now. Um, so it, it wasn't it wasn't like it was a well thought out plan that I could see the end of mine. It was really a matter of, you know, and I probably I probably inflicted death by bullet point on a few people in, in the early days. Uh, we made it a bit, bit lot more live, more interactive, more engaging, uh, hopefully adding more value and at the same time generating more inquiries from those webinars. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're big. Um, they're not going to go away. Uh, one of the best ways to, you know, we've been, we're still in COVID at the moment. One of the best ways to vaccinate your business against another outbreak 
uh, is through webinars because no one has to leave home. Hmm. Yeah, and that's and I think if there's one good thing that's come out of all the lockdowns and with the pandemic, it's the fact that people are now much more accepting of getting online and, and doing a lot of things online that in the past they preferred to do in person. I mean, I think that the in-person is still going to be a preference, but the Definitely. online certainly opens up a lot of other opportunities. Yeah. And, and one of the big things about you know, webinars or podcasts like this is that we're not geographically limited. We can talk to people from all around the world, like, um, yeah. and that, like Steve. Yeah. And that, that's exciting, you know, when you, and, mm. and, um, I mean, I, a lot of people won't be an introvert like I am, but I am. I, it suits me to sit, you know, in my house here on the beach, a little castaways beach on the on the white sand, and and beam out to people in, you know, fifteen different countries around the world at the same time. I like that. I don't have to leave home. Mm. But you're right. I think you know, being there physically is is definitely better. On the one hand, if you are there physically, but then everyone has to drive there, everyone has to park, everyone maybe has to fly, get a train, whatever. So there are, there's definitely a trade-off. Whichever way you go, there's going to be some compromises. Um, it'd be nice to have the best of both worlds, and that's what I'm trying to do with webinars is to, is to simulate that hmm. experience of being there, uh, visually at least, and auditorily. If not, we don't have the third dimension, of course, but, but it's yeah. close. All right. So based on your 11 years then of sort of developing this system, give us a bit of a high-level snapshot. So the webinar is kind of the first step of people getting to know you, like you, understand what you do. And then at the end of that, um, there's some offers that you make to work further with you. Is that how it works? Pretty much. What, what we do, what we start all our clients off is with the offer at the end, the call to action is to book a consult. Mm -hmm. so book a time to explore working together. It's not a free strategy session. It's not a free idea session. Neither it should be a sales ambush where people get beaten around the ears about, you know, what's plan B. And if you go ahead now, you're going to get this massive discount. We'll give you these bonuses. But if you don't, you're going to go to hell in a handbasket and sell your business a good riddance to you. So it's not that sort of hyped up pressure consult that some of us have been subjected to. Mm -hmm. But neither is it a free idea session. It is It is positioned fairly and squarely, honestly and openly and transparently as an opportunity to explore whether we should work together. Mm. Um, so at the end of the webinar, that offer is made and, and the, the terms and conditions as such or what I've just set out is, is, is made clearly. Uh, the audience members are directed to a landing page where those those terms and conditions are repeated. It's not going to be a sales ambush, neither will it be a, a free day session. And the attendee from the webinar, if they want to book a time to speak with one of my clients, has to check some boxes to say, I understand these are the fees that you charge. And yes, I've got those in the budget. So that won't be a problem if we agree to work together. You have to check another box to say, timing's really good for me to start if we agree to work together because you don't want to have those meetings with, with prospects who get all excited mm -hmm. about working with you and vice versa. And they go, well, I'll, I'm going away for three months. So I'll give you more and get back. <laughs> um, so you, you, because we want to respect, we don't want to waste their time as much as we don't want to waste our own mm -hmm. time. So these are what I call the filters. So they have to check these boxes uh, to say, yes, they've attended the webinar. Or if they didn't, if they're a referral, uh, they'll view the replay, which will be in the confirmation booking link prior to mm -hmm. a meeting with you one-on-one. Because we want them all to be well-educated. We want them to be well-qualified. We want them to be well-motivated. And we can do all of that in a group during the webinar as opposed to doing it one-on-one -on -one after the webinar. So that 
that consult should simply be a conversation where you confirm to the prospect that it's a good idea to work together, if indeed that is the case. Because what, what, what we're doing with the whole marketing sequence with marketing with webinars is we're, at every step of the way, whether it's a joint venture partner who's going to supply the audiences, whether it's the audience uh, member, whether it's the prospect who's a book consult, all we're doing is we're putting an offer in front of someone who's already looking for that offer. And that's what good marketing does. It simply presents someone an offer which we have a high degree of confidence that they're already looking for. So, so marketing is really, by the time you get to the consult, it's about confirming that working together is the right thing to do, whereas the sales ambush type strategy sessions mm. are about convincing. They're about twisting arms. And, it, you know, my life's too short to spend time convincing yeah. people of something. I'd rather find the people that already know it's a good idea but need to validate perhaps. Hmm. And and some of those pictures, I think, are counterintuitive. I was on one last week on a webinar that a young woman did, and I'd been following this young woman on YouTube videos that she did, and, and I was really impressed with her. I was really impressed with her work. And then she presented the webinar, and that was impressive as well. So I wasn't disappointed in that. And then she moved on to the sales pitch, and it was like, you know, you get this and, oh, I'll throw in the steak knives and right. oh, they're, they're valued another $1,000 and then I'll throw yep. in this as well. And, and if you sign up today, then you'll get this extra bonus as well. But you've got to sign up today to get this extra bonus. And I thought to myself, right. you know, I, I was sort of on the fence about buying up to that point. But not after that, that, you weren't. That's, that's pushed me back the wrong side of the, of the fence. Yeah, it hasn't dragged right. me over. And I so, thought, you know, she, she might have lost more sales by taking that approach than if she had have taken was, more like your approach. Yeah. If it had been someone's, if, if, if someone had, that was their first experience of her or, or of any of those sorts of offers, they probably mm. would have bought because they go, oh, maybe that's amazing. But we've seen so many people do it now. And what essentially what we're doing when we're stacking up bonuses and doing things like that is we're compensating for a poor value proposition. Hmm. If the core value proposition is what people need, they really don't need the bonuses in order to buy. They probably need some sort of time frame to make a decision by which they might lose something just to get them to go yes or no. And you know, yes is fine and no is fine, just to least make a decision. So they need some sort of what's called FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. They need hmm. something that says, if I make a decision by that point, I will benefit, or maybe maybe it's a no. That's fine too. But the stacking of the bonuses and assigning a value, which is hard to validate. You know, this is mm. worth a thousand dollars. This is worth. I saw one where I was going to get five hundred thousand dollars worth of bonuses for paying ninety-seven dollars. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that you know, that just defies believability. Mm. Um, and I and I think you know, in in your experience, there's the opportunity for each of us when we had those experiences to reflect. And and to consider whether we like that experience or not, because there's a pretty good chance that if we didn't like it, then we should probably not inflict that on others because they're probably not going to like it either. Mm. But rather than following the gurus and saying, well, it must it must work because they're all doing it. Not necessarily. There's this thing mm. called the emperor's clothes. You know, everyone's yeah, saying, yeah, that's right. yeah, the emperor's saying, I've got clothes on, I've got clothes on. And we're going, no, you haven't, buddy. No, you haven't. I can see your willy, you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> You definitely don't have clothes on. Um, and I think there is a lot of that blind leading the blind in marketing. So one of the things I'd urge everyone to do is to listen 
to yourself when you are moving through someone else's marketing, whether it's a website sales page, whether it's reading an email that's an invitation to a webinar, whether it's reading their book, whatever your experiences are, listen very carefully to your own reactions and your own feelings, because that's going to be a bit of a bit of a clue as to how you should be doing it yourself. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And I think the other thing about that is that, you know, if we take, I mean, our approach to marketing strategy is starting off by knowing, you know, knowing yourself and what value you provide and then knowing who's your dream client, who are the people that you can help best and also that, you know, you'll um, gel with the best. So you talked right. about it earlier in terms of, yeah. you know, is the no like trust factor there. And if your response to this webinar is or, or the sales approach is, oh, God, this is really turning me off, yeah. then it's highly likely that your dream audience or dream clients are going to have the same response to that right. particular approach. Yeah, because you're going to attract people with a similar value set hmm. uh, that can relate to your personality, to your beliefs, your ethics, all of those things which make us unique. Um, and and by the way, I've certainly bent myself out of shape trying to make money from time to time when I was desperate. You know, I'll follow the formula or whatever it takes, you know, tell me what it takes, that's what I'll do sort of thing. Um, I think I've bent my personality out of shape. I don't, hopefully I didn't bend my, my ethics out of shape as such. But you'll always revert back to who you are. Ultimately, you always come back to the purpose that you were born for, which is to express you in your marketing. So whatever templates, and we certainly give our clients lots of templates, and, but they should be a support for your personality, not a, not a barrier and not, not a sort of a restriction or borders. In other words, they, they, they're underneath your personality and your values yeah. and your beliefs and your ethics. They should be, if you like, spotlighting them, magnifying them, not, not bending them out of shape. Hmm. I like to think in terms of framework or scaffolding, you know, getting you up on the stage <laughs> right well I'd, I'd think of it more as a foundation or a platform to elevate you hmm. um as i used to talk about a you know a structure and a framework and and then someone pointed out it's kind of limiting people in a way yeah, and yeah. i know it's just a word but uh you know one of our uh, francis francis uh Scholl, who's a client of ours who does some brilliant work and bringing out authenticity and leadership uh, got this idea from him that we talk talk about the framework supporting, if you like, as a platform, mm. and I, and I like I like that as an analogy. Mm, great. All right. So um, you talked about filters at the back end of the webinar, so filtering people into the conversation with you, so that they've already ticked a whole bunch of boxes, and you know that they're ready. They have a pretty good idea of your expectations if. They take the next step and then right. you get to have that conversation. How do you get people into the webinars to start with? Right. And also at scale in particular, because you talk right. about this being something that you can do at scale. Right. So, so there, there is quite a lot to the PowerPoint or the presentation, the sequence that we leave audi lead audiences through. But none of that, and you, this is what you're alluding to here, I suppose, is that none of that really counts for anything if you don't have an audience. Hmm. Right, you can have the best PowerPoint presentation, the best sequence, the best close, the best call to action, the best filters, and everything in the world. But you're going to be like a, a beautiful billboard in the middle of the Sahara Desert of no, you know, no one's seeing it. Right. So, so the audience is a, you know, we 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 work with clients with with three aspects: there's the audience, there's the asset, which we talked about, the presentation, the actual 
persuasion sequence, the content of your presentation, the call to action we've talked about with the filters. But first and foremost is the audience. So there's lots of different ways you can get audiences. Most of them are, are very expensive or complicated, such as you know online funnels and so on, setting up a click this and a, and a click that, and uh, it's, it's expensive and it's complicated. And we've done all those things, and I think we've done them reasonably well. But the simplest and the easiest and most effective way to generate high-quality audiences, audiences that actually show up is nice, <laughs> mm. um, is through other people's networks, or OPN, as I call it. Um, mm. So people might know OPN as joint ventures or host beneficiaries, but I, I call it something different because we do it slightly differently. So uh, so what, I, what, I, what we recommend our clients do is this. They have one webinar a month. That's it. One webinar. So we run our webinar. First Wednesday every month, Eastern New York time, uh, 5 p.m. currently. It depends on what happens with daylight saving over there. Most of our markets in North America, but yeah, we do have Aussies and Kiwis and so on as well, British, Europeans. But you run one webinar a month and your objective, your KPI, most important key performance indicator for each month, is you have four partners booked to support your webinar. In other words, you've got four people who are sending two emails each to their email subscriber list saying, hey, there's a webinar on, you should go and attend it. And it's, you know, it's your webinar. Hmm. So that's one webinar you're presenting simultaneously effectively to four different audiences. And so we fill the seats in the webinars from other people's email subscriber lists or what I call OPN. Getting those people on board, those OPN partners who are going to email to support your webinar is a whole system in itself. Um, but that's that's the best source. The second best source is LinkedIn. And if you're targeting uh, very busy uh, entrepreneurs with, uh, you know, 50, $100 million businesses, that's a pretty good place. And also for senior executives. But, but for that sort of high-end uh, premium price market, we, we, don't, we don't position them as webinars. We position them as online boardroom briefings. And a smaller number, typically eight seats, same content. Slightly different mm. presentation. So you, there's different types of webinars, I guess, is what I'm saying. You mm. get the big ones where you have hundreds of people uh, and, and might be, you know, different countries, et cetera. And you might have the smaller ones, which we call, as I said, boardroom briefings, eight seats, Zoom webcams are on, and off you go presenting. So audiences are the two best sources, other people's networks, completely free, pretty much an inexhaustible supply. So you can rinse and repeat that month and month out for the next 10 lifetimes. And uh, so free, inexhaustible, and high quality. We, we, we used to run Facebook ads driving traffic to the top of the funnel and then to webinars. And what we found is that the registrants for our webinars that came from other people's email lists were literally 21 times more likely to buy than the registrants that came from a Facebook ad. Not only were they 21 times more likely to buy, they didn't cost us anything whereas the Facebook ad was costing us $13 or $12 and then $13 for, for a webinar registrant who were then also unlikely to actually turn up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, this is, I mean, that that is another thing that I'd, um, I'd be interested in your view on uh, people registering. I do this all the time. I register for webinars and um, if I think it, this might be interesting and a lot of them, are, like you say, they're US based, so they might be two or three in the morning. Now, unless it's unless it's something I'm really absolutely in this moment um, super excited by, <laughs> I might get up for that at, at three in the morning. But otherwise, I'll say, yeah, let's go to let's go to the recording. So I'll sign up, not turn up, maybe listen to the recording later right. on. 
often life gets in the way and um, that yep. particular interest is suddenly no longer front of mind and, and so I never even listen to the recording. So how do you ensure that, you know, that there's at least a significant proportion of your webinar registrants that turn up to the point of right yes yes i'm interesting uh, yes i'm interested i'll i'll listen and then it's up to you of course to uh, wow them right. so that they take the next steps so the fundamental thing is that you articulate the subject so that it's compelling for people like you you know there mm. might be the odd one you you'd get up at three o'clock in the morning for that's pretty compelling um, so, but that, that is the first thing because all sorts of reminders and SMSs, they make absolutely no difference whatsoever. <laughs> if someone mm -hmm. is passionately interested in the subject, they're going to turn up, they'll set their own reminders, they'll, and so on. If they're, and this is what I call the seeker, the person who is dead set serious. Um, what you've just described, uh, you know, maybe I'll go, maybe I don't, is what I call a wanderer. The person says, yeah, if it's convenient, I might, you know, go and have a look. We'll see. I don't know how to see how I feel all the time. So they're not, they don't have serious intent, which is fine as well, because they end up on your email list and you mm -hmm. can nurture them with good quality content until they are more serious. The first thing is the value proposition as represented by the title. Have I articulated that in a manner which is compelling and benefit rich for my ideal client? If so I'm more likely that A, they're going to register and B, turn up. Second thing is, um, Reminders are nice, but don't overdo them because it won't make any difference to the seekers. Uh, and and if someone gets better off, it doesn't matter how many. In fact, after a while, you get these people that send out a reminder a day before, you know, twelve hours before, an hour before, ten minutes before, five minutes before. SMS: We're starting now. Oh, we've been running for ten minutes. Where are you? We're missing you. That's just you just <laughs> annoying people. And you, yeah, annoying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they don't do that. Um, but the next thing, after you've got a great title, uh, is Promote it heavily in the email invitations. There will be no replay. Hmm. Now, some people listening to this will go, well, you know, it's not what I've been told. We've been testing and measuring this for 13 years now, uh, 11 years to perfect it, the last two years running it. Um, if you don't say, if you're not explicit that there will be no replay, people will assume there is because it's so many people hmm. do it. And so you, you're inviting people to say, oh, do I want to go to that? Oh, there'll be a replay. Hmm. When we first started doing replays, and I started doing them in 2009, whatever result we got from the webinar, whatever sales we made or whatever inquiries we generated with the consoles, we would get another 50% off the replay. So it was really worth doing. And it didn't actually affect our attendance rates. We were getting 41% of registrants attending, which is we get around 33% today, which is still pretty darn good. Hmm. But as we offered the replays, we noticed that we were going from 41% attendance, you know, every 100 people are registered, 41 showing up, to 35, to 32, to 28, to 25. It got down to 12.5%. Mm. So I said, that's a no, explicit, no replays. Title case, no replays. There is a waiting list if you can't make it because we used to get, honestly, we used to get emails from people going, you are the second cousin of the Antichrist, you evil man. I wanted to attend your webinar, but you said I can't because I'm flying or I'm on holiday or my wife won't let me or whatever. And, and you're so evil because I can't get there. And, and, and you know, you're, you're inconsiderate and you're insane. Honestly, you get hate emails because people couldn't attend the webinar. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I got it. It's free. Come on. You know? <laughs> and so what we did is we set up a waiting list. If you can't attend this time, please click here and we'll put you on the waiting list for next month because we run them once a month at the same day at the same time. So we got around. We're not getting so many I hate you, Tom, emails anymore, which is nice. <laughs> so 
what happened is we went from 41%, we were doing the replays, get another 50% bump, down to 12.5%, going, this is not good. So we got back up to around about 40% by saying no replay. But what we do, which is a bit sneaky, if you don't offer them a replay, we, we send them an email out a day later going, hey, you know how we said there's no replay? Well, there is no replay. <laughs> but we put together a 23-page PDF summary of the webinar for you. It's not a replay. Might be a replay, but if you want to download this, it's pretty cool because it covers all the key points. We have a follow-up sequence, and we call it the wedge. Uh, for reasons, if we have time, I can go into, but it runs over five days in total. And every day they get another more content, essentially, that's been extracted from the webinar. And so what, what we do is now is we get whatever response we get on the webinar, we will get 100 to 200% of that response again was a follow-up sequence. And I, Jürgen, mm -hmm. I could, I could, I think I could almost literally cry thinking of all the money that we kind of left on the table when we didn't have a follow-up sequence of any sort. It was, that was the webinar, there was no replay, that was it, what have we got, we got. But now with the, the follow-up sequence, we, we can be getting inquiries on new business in the following week. Um, in fact, most weeks of the year with the webinar and the follow-up sequence, we, we're getting new, new client inquiries coming in. Mm. So the follow-up wedge goes to all the registrants, regardless of... It, it does indeed, and, and the content is written so that whether they've attended or not, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and we have... So we get they get a short... I should get a very short email of an hour afterwards saying, hey, thanks for attending. If you want to know more, click here sort of thing. Mm. Um, it takes them to a, to a sales page. Um, a day later, they get the 23-page PDF summary. Um, two days later, uh, they get a, uh, a five-minute video summary which is you know one of these hands is drawing on on the, on the screen sort of thing okay um three days three days afterwards they get a one page blueprint summary and then on the the, the last day the fifth day they get the um they get a, just an email saying here's a few key points and click here if you want to take action ends midnight sunday so that we call it the wedge because we've had an hour and a half webinar on the wednesday it's about a 20 minute read for the pdf on the thursday it's a five-minute video on the Friday, mm. the, the one-page blueprint, which is 60-second scan on the Saturday, and then it's a 10-second read email on the Sunday. So it, the time taken to consume each piece of content diminishes with each day. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a counterintuitive compared to the standard guru approach, but um, certainly something that clearly is very effective. Yeah, it, it, well, it works. And... You know, again, I, I'm really just a slow plotting observer of reality. Um, you try things and you figure out, try to figure out the best you can whether it worked or whether it made a difference or not. Uh, most things we've tried, I have to say, haven't made any difference at all. Um, in fact, we, 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 we trialed a very robust follow-up reminder system and it, it made absolutely zero difference whatsoever. Um, so, and we, t you know, we test this over thousands of registrants, not just as a one-off because the problem with testing and basing it on a one-off is that something else could have happened that yeah. we're not even aware of, such as, I don't know, a mayoral race, you know, election day in New York, or they can throw things off, a presidential debate can throw things off. So there's all these things that are happening around the world which could affect our numbers, which is why we can only come to a conclusion once we've got some sort of statistical significance uh, to, to base a conclusion on. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a really important point too, particularly 
you know, for those of us that do those experiments and we say, oh, well, that didn't work. And I, I fall into this trap all the time. Well, that didn't work. So I'll try different. And then, well, hang on. That was kind of one experiment. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Um, so you talked earlier about death by PowerPoint in the webinar. And I've certainly been on some of those and I've been on live presentations where it's been death by PowerPoint. Right. Um, how, how do you make the webinar itself, the content, um, engaging, compelling, what were the other words you used? Benefit rich. Right. Uh, title. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so delivering the promise of the title in, in some ways. Right. Well, there, there's a whole sequence to work through. Um, but, but if we want to go to the engagement, so first of all, you ask questions, you get people typing in answers right from the get go. So one of the very mm-hmm. first things that I do, for example, is, you know, do a sound check. Uh, can you type in? Can you hear me clearly, et cetera? Um, and then when we start, we do introductions. So I said, folks, let's, let's just make sure everyone knows how to use the questions window. Just type in the city you're in and what the weather's like. Hmm. And then I say, so if it was here, I'd type in Castaways Beach, sunny, which pretty much always is. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, so the rule, the rough rule of thumb is right from the get-go, if people haven't started talking or they haven't started typing, they haven't started engaging. Hmm. We've got to keep people off looking at their emails on one part of their screen or checking Facebook on another screen and onto and into the webinar. So use that as a rough rule of thumb. If they haven't started talking, they haven't started typing, they haven't started engaging. The big webinar, you can't get everyone talking. With the smaller boardroom briefing, you can. But, but that, that's the first thing is get people engaged by physically responding. Uh, and so the other things you can do is, is the pace is important. The images are important. No bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Uh, if you change the screen and there are words on the screen, you read the words out that are appearing on the screen at the same time as an audience member is seeing them. One of the big mistakes that people make often is they put a block of text on the screen and they start talking in mm. completely different words to what's on the screen. Yeah. An audience member is trying to read what's on the screen and they're listening to this Hearing voice in the background. Mm. They won't hear you because for most people, the visual input overrides the auditory input. Mm. So there are things like that we can do. Polls are terrific. Um, we have a thing called the, the audience selector section where we say to the audience, these are the three things I could now present on in the next section. This is the first one. This is the second one. This is the third one. Brief description. Which one would you like me to present on? And then they vote. And the poll appears on the screen and everyone can see the percentage of the audience that voted for one or two or three. And then I go into, okay, so you want to do number two? Let's go to number two. Hmm. So that gives the audience a sense of, oh, I just made a decision here that's affected the next presentation. I like the fact that so for most of them, the majority of them, they're going to get what they just voted for, which helps them to feel like you know they're getting the sort of the exact mm. exactly sort of value that, that 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 they want to get. So there are polls. There are the graphics are important. Um, I personally present with a seventy-five inch four K giant screen behind me, kind of like a weather man or a weather woman might do. So and I'm so I'm I'm sharing my webcam. I'm not doing a screen share. Mm. So that, that makes the, I mean, you don't want to go down that path because it's just too hard to set up. Honestly, it was freaking, it's expensive and it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. Now I've done it, I've pleased I've done it, but you don't need to do that. So the yeah. question. Well, there are tools now, there are tools now where you can simulate that with 
virtual camera programs. I, that yeah, are, I, I'm sure there are. Yeah, mm. green screens are pretty rubbish still because you move yeah. your head and the whole color changes the background. <laughs> um, and, and you don't you don't really need it if if you've got if you've got good visuals and you're changing the screen regularly. That's the other. Take a clue from television programs. Do this, do this, folks. Have a look at your favorite TV program and set a little timer and see how often the screen changes from the perspective of the camera angle. It's it's rarely more than three to five seconds that they stay on the same image. Hmm. And that's to stimulate engagement and keep your eyes uh, you know, tracking what's happening. So not suggesting you have to do that exactly, but these are all things that increase engagement. As, as measured by our webinar platform, we typically generate over 90% attentiveness level. Mm. Same platform, go to webinars, measured thousands of thousands of marketing webinars specifically. The average marketing webinar generate 23% attentiveness level. So we, we, you know, by independent analysis, we're doing something right in terms of increasing activity. The more people are engaged, uh, the more they understand and assimilate the information that you're demonstrating the more likely they are, therefore, to take action. Hmm. All right. And speaking of action, that's a good segue into what I, I'm also interested, which is wrapping up with a call to action. And, and certainly in the early days when I was doing webinars, that was a, probably the biggest mistake I was making. I would um, give a lot of information on the webinar. I think my presentations were pretty good. I got lots of good feedback, uh, but really nothing came out of it beyond one or two inquiries. And right. in, in hindsight, you know, I was I either didn't have a call to action or a call, call to action was pretty weak. So what? why is a call to action important and what, what makes a good call to action? Okay. So, um, well, clarity is definitely, it's important because you want people to take action. And one of the uh, the great things about social media is that it can keep my brand and your brain until you're ready to buy, um, but it's no good for call to actions. This you know people people don't respond particularly well to a call to action that's you know in in, in social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but the webinar is a you you've really if you've given people value and they're engaged and they're interested, you have earned the right to give them a next step. And it's you know there's an old saying: if you can't feed the sheep, don't shear them. Um, which is what some people try to do when they're presenting. They're trying to pitch you, pitch you, pitch you, and you haven't really actually been very impressed with the value that they've delivered. So, so we earn the right to deliver the call to action towards the end of the webinar. The biggest thing, other than making sure there is a call to action, is make sure it's incredibly clear and incredibly easy for people to take that call to action and be explicit about the benefit that people will uh, receive when they make that call to action. So. Um, our call to action uh, on our webinars used to be go and book a chat with Tom. So we had bookachatwithtom.com. You want to have a URL set up. It's very easy for people to type in. Uh, it's very easy for you to remember. And you can present it on the screen. You can put it in the chat into, into the webinar chat window. People can click on it. It'll open up in their browser. And the call to action is all laid out on their page. If people want an example of that, they can go to bookachatwithtom.com and just see what I do there. But the, the context is it's the end of the webinar. And on that page, they'll also see the filters, the checkboxes that I talked about before, about affordability, about timeliness, and everything else. So that's to start with. You know, where you, everyone wants to sell, you know, twenty thousand dollar packages at the end of the webinar. But to start with, you really just want to give people the opportunity to have a chat with you and see if working together is the right, right, the right thing to do. So that's typically the call to action we start folks with. Yeah, I love it, and and also it's. 
like you talked about the twenty thousand dollar platform it's it's much more human in in the sense that having that chat gives you the opportunity to explore you know what what part of what I've presented really resonated with you and it may not be the twenty thousand dollar um super duper package it may be well you you kind of made this a side comment here just as a as a half joke and i was really intrigued i want to know more about that so all of a sudden you're off in a totally different direction but because you've built that no like and trust factor up yeah. front um, you're now having okay. the conversation yeah. at a deeper level yeah it's, it's a terrific question to begin the consult with is what motivate you to reach out yeah mm. great well, on that note, I mean, there's so much more I know to your system. And, and so I think um, one of the things we'll do is include a link to register for the next webinar, which by the time this publishes will be the September one, uh, so that people can experience it if they're interested in finding out more. Terrific. Um, yeah, I think it's a good time now, though, to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round, and it's designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience. So I've got five questions. Hopefully you'll give us some insightful answers and inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. Let's see. <laughs> what do you think is the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Take breaks, uh, minutes every hour, hours every day, days every week and weeks every quarter. We've got to have breaks. We've got to give the mind a rest. The mind, the mind is, in a way, is kind of like a muscle. If it's <laughs> going to grow and get strong, uh, it it needs it needs to rest. It's so all very well going yeah. to jump and pumping iron, but the muscle doesn't grow unless it gets rest. Um, and the and I believe the mind is the same. So to me, uh, my creative moments, most creative moments, are when my mind is well rested. Typically, before just before I'm coming back from a holiday, that's when I'll have a lot of my creative breakthroughs. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. And I love how you've structured it, sort of, you know, a minute, a minute every hour, an hour every day and, and so on. Or, and so minutes, 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 minutes every hour. Yeah. So yeah. take it, take it, you know, take a 10 minute break every hour, hours mm. every day. Make sure you've got time off in the evening to rejuvenate, to relax, to chill, to watch Netflix, whatever you do. And then days every week and then weeks every, every quarter. So every seventh week for me is a week, is a week off work. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Okay, now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? And maybe that's it. <laughs> well, I, 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 I book, I go away somewhere. Mm. Um, and the best thing I've done is created a thing called a dream day. And the dream mm. day is the penultimate day before I come back to work before my holiday. So if I have a week off and I'm coming back to work on a Monday, my dream day is the Saturday. My mind's fully rested. I haven't thought about work, at least I've not consciously thought about work during the week. On the Saturday, if it's a dream day, then I start the day with a question about my business. How, how could I double results in the next 12 months but work half as much? A question like that. Hmm. And then the day will be spent with um, my favorite tool for, for innovation, which I think is your next question, which is a yellow legal pad and a blue pen. And I'll have the question at the top of that and I'll doodle and I'll brainstorm and I'll, all these other techniques that we can have, such as you know, flow charting and mind mapping and so on. And then I walk down the road and get a coffee and not think about it and come back and pick up that pad again. So that dream day has been the best thing I've ever done in terms of coming up with breakthrough ideas, visionary concepts. Um, so, yep, have the holiday, 
Hmm. Um, second last day. So the last day you go back to work, you're starting to consciously think about work. What have I got yeah, on? Yeah. The, Nitty, the second to last day, hmm. you're still in that very relaxed state. And the calmer the mind is, the more likely it is you'll be able to pick up on those intuitive thoughts that, that are there all the time, but very often we hmm. don't hear because we're simply too busy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that. So you do that on your own or do you have somebody? On my own. To, yeah, okay. But bear in mind, I'm an introvert, so others might like to buddy up with someone. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, I'm certainly an introvert too, and I, um, I, I often find that quite challenging to kind of let the ideas bubble up there. But maybe the secret is go on that two week holiday and um, wait for the nine, ten days. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, if it's a one week holiday, mm. that's you know. But mm. it's it's the day before the day before you go back to work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and when I say I'm on my own, my, my wife's normally with me, hopefully. Sure. Um, but, you know, she understands it's the dream day and I might be drifting in, out of con in and out of consciousness <laughs> for, for most of the day. Yeah. Great. I love it. And so the favorite tool is the yellow legal pad and pen. Yeah, yellow pad and the blue pen because the, the colors stimulate, believe, the, the, a little way to stimulate thinking. <laughs> yeah, I've got this... Um, collection of Lamy fountain pens. Some of these are probably 30 years old, the first ones, but I keep adding to it in different colors. So I'd, I'd like to write on paper with fountain pen nice. in multiple colors. So right. right. I find that stimulating as well. All right. What's the best way to keep a client on track? Um, time, date, place, person, money. So you can see I've got a formula for everything. <laughs> um, so what, what I've found is that it, it's the first thing that often what happens is is a client or a project goes off track because it dropped the thing that they said that they needed to do or the thing that needed to be done drops off the radar scope of the mind. They're very often to bring it back to the mind. This is what I decided I was going to do. This is when I said I was going to do it. If, if time, date, place, person, money is a formula. So if I want to keep something on track, I hire someone to keep me accountable and I pay them some money. Could be a business coach, could be a personal coach. Uh, you know, I, I, I do this routinely. I'll find someone who's an expert in their area and I'll meet with them once a week and I will have a deadline and I will commit to them what I will have done before that end of that deadline. So the clients, clients will operate the same way. And, and very often a client, the most value they're going to get from us is the fact that we've created this framework, this, this accountability and review, uh, check-in and, it doesn't work if you take any of those things out of it. If you don't have a regular time and date and a place to meet for that review, if you just let it drift and say, I'll get back to you when it's done, then it'll drift. If there's not a person waiting for you, this could be a physical one-on-one -on -one coach, for example, or a diet coach or a relationship coach. If that person is not waiting for you there at that time, there's less accountability. And if you haven't paid money, there's less accountability. Hmm. Which is often why the mentor, the free mentor relationship breaks down because there's no skin in the game on either side. Yeah, yeah. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Okay. And finally, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Listen, listen to themselves because we're all unique. We, our DNA is unique as our eyeball is our fingerprint. We're all unique. So each of us has unique thoughts. And so for me, it's listen to the first thoughts. When, when you have this thought that comes into your mind and you first notice it, practice and get really good at listening to that. Make a note of it and act on it because our thoughts are as unique as everything else about us. Um, so that's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself is to listen to yourself and be yourself. 
is that's 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 your gift to the world that's your purpose that's your destiny that's why you're here is mm. to be you so listen to yourself and don't think that they're random thoughts because they're probably not yeah yeah i love it and uh, it's that's probably in some ways the mechanism behind your dream day isn't it to kind of let that those things bubble up that uncluttered by the day-to-day pressures that might be on before that holiday right right yeah. you know as 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 a person thinks so they are i think therefore i am uh so um you know as a person thinks so is the world uh, you know it doesn't matter if you listen to buddhism or philosophy or christianity or judaism um the common theme is that our thoughts define us hmm. um, so listen to them because that's you talking yeah <laughs> Great. Well, this has been fabulous, Tom. Now, where can people find out more about you, maybe even reach out to say thank you and certainly find out about the uh, next webinars? Well, um, Leadsology, Leads as in Lead Generation with an S, leadsology.com is our main website. If you're interested in the next webinar, uh, leadgendemo.live is where they can go and they can see the registration page that we set up and how we set it up, they can register for it. Uh, they can go on the waiting list that we talked about before. Uh, but yeah, register and attend and just, you know, if, if you want to see how I do it, that's the best thing is to come along live and, and see see how it all plays out. Mm, excellent. So it's Leadsology with Leads plural. Leads and plural. Lead Gen Demo with Leads. Dot live. Dot live. Dot live. So lead singular in that case. Correct. Excellent. So we'll have those links in the show notes. So just wanted to make sure that the listener knows is clear about that as well as me. Yeah. And yeah. So do you have some parting advice for our listener today as we wrap this up? Uh, I'm not sure I have any any more to say. Um, I guess I could underline the idea of listening to yourself Mm. and taking action. Um, When you think about a thing and you hear an answer or response, very often that's an intuitive clue as to how you should be taking action um i guess one tip i could could give people is is anytime you commit to a thing schedule it in your calendar Mm. because the world is full of people that intend to have done something and fail to do it so make a meeting with yourself does a couple of things first of all it brings it back to your mind that you said you were going to do that thing on that particular time on that particular day second thing is it makes sure you actually have enough time to do everything yeah. If you don't schedule things, if you simply have a list of things to do, Absolutely. it's kind of like going to the supermarket for your shopping, but not knowing how much you've got in your bank account to spend. Hmm. You know, you're probably going to run out of money and just get frustrated. So schedule everything that you intend to act on. Don't schedule all your time. Yeah. But do schedule all your commitments. Yeah, I love that. And I discovered this back in the early days when we had shared calendars in the corporate world. And the way our IT people set up this shared calendar thing was you could go in and just book time on somebody's calendar. There was no right. <laughs> there was no oh. control over it. <laughs> and so from one week to the next, all of a sudden, I have a calendar full of appointments. Oh, man. And, and I so I contacted them and I said, you know, is there a way to do this that people have to ask and get your approval that they can have a oh. meeting with you first? And they, no, why would you do that? And I said, because... I've actually got work to do. I can't get other people filling up my calendar for you. And they said, well, no, that's not how 
it's set up. So I thought, hmm, how do I fix this? I just, I know, I'll put appointments in myself that are my appointments and so therefore people can't <laughs> schedule time then. And then, I, then of course, I realised, well, what do I call that appointment? Actually, I'll call the appointment of what I'm planning to do then. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. So it led, they led you to schedule everything. That's right. <laughs> yeah. huh. hmm. Strange system. <laughs> so there is some good comes out of stupid stuff at times. <laughs> we have to, we, we make it. We yeah. make we make it a winning post. Yeah. All right. Well, finally, Tom, who else should I get on this show and why? Hmm. Well, you've you've had Steve Hoffman on the show. Hmm. Um. I. You know what would be pretty left field is to get my business manager to show Mike Levin. Hmm. Mike is first of all he's one of the top three smartest people I've ever met. Secondly, he has an extraordinary grasp of uh, project management. Uh, science, mathematics. Um, he's he's just one of the most extraordinary people I've ever met in terms of broad terms, marketing ideas, strategy. Uh, he understands people, what makes them tick. Um, so that that's a guy I'd get on your show. It's Mike Levin. He's based okay. in Florida, but I'm sure you work out the time zone difference. Yep, yep, we'll work with that. So I love it. Um, we'll get an introduction to Mike from you and um, see if we can find a time to bring him on the show and talk about more. Well, Sounds like we can talk about lots of things. Oh, yeah, he can. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Tom. I've really enjoyed this, learnt a lot, um, got a, a sense for the webinar thing, and um, I'll be looking to get on one of those uh, webinars too to learn more about that because I'm I'm really keen to see what it could do for my business as well. And Look I'm sure, you know, I encourage people to at least check out the examples Tom talked about today and if it's something that you want to learn more about, then join one of the future webinars. So thanks again, Tom. I've really enjoyed this. All the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Been a privilege. Thanks for the opportunity, Jürgen. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and informative conversation with Tom and took something away from his episode. Tom's system is fabulous and the platform for building a following and reaching new audiences with your message. I love how it all comes together. I'm curious to know what you took away from Tom's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Tom Poland. That is T-O-M-P-O-L-A-N-D. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Tom Poland. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Tom, as well as links to the Leadsology website, to Tom's social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in today's conversation. Now, if you like this episode, please do share it with two other people that it might help. Don't keep it to yourself. We want to get this valuable information that Tom shared with us today out to many people. Tag me in on anything you share, and I will reach out to you with a special thank you. Tom suggested we have a conversation with Mike Levin, his business manager, on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Mike, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Tom Poland. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including marketing strategist Ardeth Elby 
and the fail coach, Miha Matlievsky. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.